Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds in every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and get a $500 risk-free sports bet by downloading the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning today. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com to get a $500 risk-free bet from us at Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use the promo code SGP for your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. And we're also brought to you in part by SoBet. Sign up and bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io. We're also brought to you in part by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on head-to-head matchups. Download that app today or just head to BetterFantasy.com slash SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Fantasy.com slash SGPN. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. Football fans, it's time to go on the record with this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close? If not, pull the outright upset. Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Well, we have reached the end of the calendar year, but the football is still getting good, including not one but two national semifinals, college football playoff semifinals for both the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl. We're ready to break down Alabama, Cincinnati, Georgia, and Michigan on this here podcast, plus another huge NFL weekend, lots of other bowl games starting with New Year's Day especially uh, to look at, ponder, uh, look for those underdogs. Great to be back with you. I'm merely the somewhat competent host off a three-for-three three week last week on Three Dog Thursday. Were you here? Were you believing in the UCF Knights against the Florida Gators like I did? Were you believing also in the Buffalo Bills and that matchup with the New England Patriots as I ended up doing? And what about the Tuesday Bowl win with the Air Force Falcons uh, getting it done in their bowl game? Uh, back on Tuesday as an outright winner, as an underdog. So three for three here from me. And even uh, Brian Edwards and both Colby Dant joined in with me on last week's show. Uh, Brian of uh, Vegas Insider, MajorWager.com. Colby Dant uh, with the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows and the college football experience. They agreed with me about UCF and what they were going to be able to do uh, in that game with Florida all the way back to last Thursday night in Tampa Bay at the Gasparilla Bowl, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Give credit, uh, the, the, uh, as we head towards the weekend, the SEC has been taking it on the chin in some of these bowl games. Let's see if Alabama and Georgia represent. And then obviously on New Year's Day, the likes of Arkansas and Kentucky uh, and Ole Miss are all going to be on, in action on New Year's Day. Let's see how they do in their different bowl games as well. Anyway, we're here to talk about all of it. Brian Edwards will be with me straight ahead to talk about Alabama-Cincinnati 
and Michigan and Georgia. Mainly, he'll have a little bit on the NFL and an underdog pick there towards the end. Later on in the program, we're going to get the chance to chat with a couple of guys. I'll bring on my buddy John Lewis of the SportsMediaWatch.com website. SportsMediaWatch.com, outstanding resource for everything going on with the media in this country, including television ratings, uh, etc. If it happens in sports media, John is on it with the games, the personalities, the ratings, and obviously the passing of John Madden, which I'll say more about here in a second. That's going to be a big topic uh, with John Lewis and I talking about it uh, here later on and and Madden's impact for sports uh, on TV, but the NFL on TV, the importance, the significance, the popularity booming, and then the Madden video game as well. So I wanted to get John on here for some perspective on that. You'll hear that conversation. Then Peter Blake is with me. Peter from right here in the Tampa Bay area does a great job with the sports web. He and I are going to go round and round about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who clinched the NFC South last week with a win over Carolina. They are now 11-4 and on the season. They're traveling to play the J-E-T-S Jets mess mess. Well, the Jets did win a game last week against the Jaguars, uh, even without coach Robert Sala, who had COVID-19 and was uh, unable to coach in the game. The Jets still found a way to win the game. They have wins earlier this year over the likes of the Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals are the mess. Are the Jets going to hang in with the Bucks getting 13, 12 and a half or 13 points? We will find out. Coming up, Peter and I will discuss that and some other NFL underdogs as well at the end of the show. Reminder, however you found us, we are part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows and sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Make sure if you found us on a social media link, whatever, follow us, subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, it comes automatically to you. We're here right before New Year's and right before 2022. Can't believe it. It's almost 2022. We come your way on Thursdays. We stay relevant for the weekend. We're doing this all the way through the upcoming college football playoff championship game, which will be at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis a week from Monday. January 10th, the NFL regular season in and the NFL playoffs all the way to Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. Will the Buccaneers defend their title in L.A.? Will Kansas City be there to meet them in a rematch? Or will there be other teams for the NFC and the AFC that get there? We'll talk all about it and have the underdogs here on Three Dog Thursday. If you follow and subscribe, you get the podcast as it goes along. And more and more of you have been finding it. The December numbers have been fantastic. Again, by the thousands and thousands and thousands, you're finding us. That is great stuff here on Three Dog Thursday. All right, I'll get to Brian Edwards in a moment. Uh, Again, uh, John Madden, what an iconic uh, individual in terms of sports broadcasting and the NFL coverage. You'll hear me talking about this more with John Lewis. Uh, It's just, it's amazing the longevity that he had at the highest level doing the NFL and really um, established the NFL in the consciousness of, of, uh, of so many fans with he and Pat Summerall doing those games on CBS and Fox for so long. But it's, so, it's amazing to me that the, the, the current millennials, the younger crowd, the college age, high school age uh, fans, middle school fans, etc., they don't know anything about John Madden, the broadcaster, much less that John Madden was an ultra-successful coach with the Oakland Raiders and winning a Super Bowl and having the highest winning percentage uh, of any coach that's coached 100 games ever in the NFL. That's John Madden's legacy as a coach and then as a broadcaster, Emmy Award winner. Uh, again, 40, 50 million people constantly tuning in in the 80s when there weren't that many TV options to watch. He and Pat Summerall on CBS in particular with all the uh, all the NFL coverage. So uh, John Madden passed away at age 85 just after a great documentary was released Christmas Day. 
uh, for the viewing. John Madden had gotten to see an advance preview before Christmas Day of the uh, of the documentary All Madden, uh, chronicling his life, etc. So um, it, neat that it that it uh, it times out that way that this documentary is out and they're reshowing it. And we'll talk more with John Lewis about that. So much to get to on the football front. Uh, that is for sure with the college semifinals for the college football playoff and all the bowl games, NFL action, and much more. Let's get cranking. Uh, again, uh, Brian Edwards is going to be here straight ahead to talk the college. John Lewis talking John Madden, his impact in sports TV later on in the podcast. And Peter Blake here talking NFL on the podcast, including Bucks Jets, including the Chiefs and the Bengals, and, uh, and much more. Let's get it all started here on this a final show of 2021 as we head to the New Year's weekend. As advertised, we do have our fingers crossed that the games are coming up on Friday in both the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl. Alabama, Cincinnati, Georgia, and Michigan, the winners. We hope, we think, we believe will meet in the CFP National Championship game Monday night, January 10th in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, for now, though, let's get some more insight into this and whether or not it is going to be an underdog play for the host. Is he going to try to warn me off? Is Brian Edwards interested in either Cincinnati or Michigan as the doggy? Let's find out from the guy from Vegas Insider, the purveyor of MajorWager.com. Love his insight. Hope he had a great Christmas. New Year's is coming. Brian Edwards, how you feeling on a three-dog Thursday right in between? Man, feeling good. 10-5 and five in the bowl season, and... Um... I hate we missed out. Uh, man, NC State was one of my favorite ones, and uh, that was a shame what happened. I, I don't wish any other future bowl teams to be, you know, had to pull out. But if they do, I hope NC State could sub in if that is to happen. Well, and, and they, again, uh, were all the way out in San Diego at the Holiday Bowl, and so you just wonder, can they logistically get their equipment? Right. I mean, let me just give you one quick story. Memphis found out. Uh, you know, we talked to you last week about that game with Hawaii. So Memphis found out on the Thursday, uh, we can't play Hawaii on the Friday. So now you began to look at options. Well, could we play somebody else? Well, here's the biggest problem. They could not get their equipment from the Hawaiian Islands. We're talking about helmets, shoulder pads, uh, gear, all the different uh, padding, all the different stuff that they would have to have. They couldn't get it from Hawaii back to the mainland U.S. They were trying to get it on a cargo plane uh, to come back quicker uh, it was going to be like Tuesday of this week before they would have access to their stuff. And so logistically, wow. it just made it impossible yeah. that even if we could sub into a game, my point is with NC State, can they get their stuff right. to another bowl game in a day or two to be able to play while all this mayhem is going on? Just unfortunate uh, that we have this. Um, and, and let's hope as we ran it into the college football playoff that everything stays intact as you and I are releasing this podcast, those games are coming in Dallas and in Miami on Friday. Okay. So Cincinnati has been such a great story. This line opened at 13 and a half. And a lot of people are going to look at that line and say, man, that is juicy to take the points. That's the idea. You are not in that camp, Brian Edwards, and tell us more about why and what you might be thinking. Well, I'm not saying anyone that is thinking the Bearcats is like being silly or anything. I mean, they are very, very good defensively with Mechie out. I mean, you know, we saw what Auburn uh, did. Now, I think the Iron Bowl crowd had a lot to do with that. Um, and with all the preparation that Saban has, I just think over the course of 60 minutes 
Alabama will eventually get some separation. Um, I lean their way, laying the points. Uh, I'm, more, I'm more bullish on minus seven in the first half, um, which is – How is Alabama, if I can interject, how has Alabama done overall and even uh, recently on first half covers? Because that's something you have been strong on. Yeah, no, nothing like the success of previous years. I, I, I And I would just – I would guess – like 500 probably. Well, if, they if were that, okay. So they were very five. good. They were very good against Georgia because they were an underdog against Georgia and they were winning the game at halftime, but the Auburn game, they were being shut out at right. halftime. For example, I know late in the year, the LSU game that I worked, they were losing in the first half. And I don't believe that was yeah. a first half cover. So the oh, line, God, they were like about minus seven, the line, like minus seven, you're thinking they can cover that in the first half or what is it for Bama Cincinnati? Seven. It's seven, but uh, no, they didn't cover against LSU. I don't think they did against Arkansas, but those first half numbers were like 17. Right. Um, they were not, you know, they were 11 and two last year. And then those years with Tua, they were very, very good. They have not been very good in the first half this year, but most of their numbers have been mid double digits, you know, 14 to 18. This one's a single digit and that's why I'm attracted. Desmond Ritter is a very mobile quarterback. Mobile quarterbacks all along here have given Nick Saban's defense his problems. How big a factor is that in keeping this game close? And I know you like lots of points, points, points probably in this Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to play the total. Um, I, uh, I worry about how many points since he can get. And I worry about Alabama without Mechie, you know, not being quite as explosive. Um, I'm sorry, but you had another question that I'm kind of forgetting that was part of that. Uh, no, just the fact that mobile quarterbacks seem to oh, yeah. bother Saban's defenses, right? Yes, yes, yes. And um, I think he's going to need that mobility. If, if To me, if there is a weakness with Cincy, it's probably their offensive line. Now, at the AAC level, they really don't have many weaknesses. But against, um, you know, uh, an elite uh, – I mean, you know, Alabama's defense wasn't vintage saving Alabama this year, but they, um, they're still pretty good. Clearly look at what they did to Georgia and that offensive line with their defense in the SEC title game, the last sample, the last showing. So again, I've got Brian Edwards hanging with me for just a few more moments. He's been a busy man all week. He's ringing in the new year later uh, this week, just like we are, but we're previewing the new year's Eve afternoon and evening college football playoff semifinals. Brian, again, is going to be all over these games uh, via majorwager.com and Vegas insider with all of his angles, but he's sharing a bit of it with us right now Michigan getting seven and a half points seven or seven and a half points with Georgia in Miami for the Orange Bowl I'm not making a case for Michigan to be able to hang in and win I think Georgia wins this probably by double digits again we could be accused of being biased in the South SEC blah 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 but if Michigan is going to replicate to a degree big word what Alabama did how do they do they do it with their defense? Do they do it with pressuring Stetson Bennett into interceptions and turnovers? Is that the formula for Michigan so. to hang in? I think so. I, I think it is getting after Stetson Bennett, forcing him to make mistakes. Now, Bennett is very elusive, and they will find that out. He is he is crafty in the pocket. He can escape and extend plays and, and, and make plays with his legs. Um, but you know, we wondered ahead of the SEC championship game in the third quarter, how's he going to play when his team needs a touchdown drive, when it's a one-possession game, or as it turned out, when they're down by double digits. And I'm not saying Michigan's going to get that kind of lead, 
But I think they're, you know, um, load the box to stop the run, make Bennett beat you, and trust your DNs to get pressure. And um, I, I think if Michigan is to win, it will be winning the turnover battle and getting pressure on the quarterback. Because I, you know, I, I said all year, I mean, you couldn't really argue with Georgia's results, but I was never really enthralled with their offense and um, still not. And Michigan's but, got an elite D for sure. But that being said, they have run the ball on everybody sure. basically except Alabama, but we'll see if they can run it on Michigan uh, in this game. Uh, and again, for Jim Harbaugh, he has already mended a lot of fences and made a lot of friends back by beating Ohio State and by winning the Big Ten championship game. You wonder, again, if they get up again here a month later, because that was such a dramatic eight or nine days for them. You wonder if they get up emotionally and they're ready to beat Georgia uh, after they, they conquered those two hurdles that, that Harbaugh. Do you buy into that psychology? You feel me with what I'm saying, that they conquered Ohio State, which he hadn't been able to do. They won a Big Ten championship, which they hadn't been able to do. I believe psychologically, now that everything is cooled down, calmed down, they don't feed off that emotion, and maybe Georgia has an easier time with them. You buying any of that? I think Michigan's in a better place psychologically than Georgia, to be honest. I think Georgia dominated all year and then just got their tails whipped. And, um, you know, Michigan – the what the play I do like on this game, TJ, is, is the over. And I know that might sound odd because Georgia was such a huge under team all year – but uh, Michigan's seen the overcash in three straight, and they've scored 59, 42, and 42 in their last three. And you look back through the season, all their under games were games against just horrible offensive teams. Like when they played Indiana November 6th, the Hoosiers were on a third-string quarterback at least, maybe fourth. Northwestern was horrible offensively all year. So was Rutgers. Uh, those are – and so was Washington. Those are all games that went under – uh, for Michigan, even their game against Wisconsin went over. And the Nebraska game had 61 combined. The Michigan State game had 70 combined. The Maryland game had 77 combined. The Ohio State game had 69 combined. Um, and what is it? This number is in the 45-46 range. There was even 45 against Iowa, uh, only three by Iowa. And it's pathetic offense. Yeah. All right, so again, he's bigger on the uh, on the over. Not so interested in the underdogs here for Three Dog Thursday purposes. I know you are going to be all over these bowl games as the weekend unfolds. Again, it's an odd uh, formula that they've had before in the college football playoff where the semifinal games are New Year's Eve afternoon and New Year's night, but you got a bunch of New Year's Day bowl games. You're going to be all over it. Plug your social media. Plug where they can read more. I'm working that Outback Bowl, Arkansas-Penn State. You're analyzing that one in Tampa on New Year's Day. You've got Kentucky and Iowa in the Capital One Bowl. Ohio State has had some opt-outs, but you've got the Rose Bowl with Ohio State and Utah, who's had a great season. You're going to be analyzing all these games, going with the spread angles and all of that. Uh, pick up on that and, and plug away if you would, Brian. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Vegas B. Edwards. Uh, I'll be having plenty of opinions there. Content, majorwager.com. All my picks at uh, VegasInsider.com. I will give you one NFL I like this week. I like the Detroit Lions. At Seattle, they get golf back. Uh, they're catching seven. They're still playing hard for Dan Campbell. Uh, I don't always agree with his clock management decisions. You got to give this guy credit. A team that, you know, was sitting on zero wins in early December um, is playing hard. And they are, let's see, one, two, three, four. They are on a six and one 
against the spread run right now. And Seattle is just, you know, is garbage uh, lately, back to back losses, including at home to Chicago. Um, there we go. Well, you were on the Lions to a degree. We, we were having an unknown that whether golf could test negative right. or not and play in the game at, against Atlanta. They ended up covering it correct in that game with Atlanta anyway in the yep, loss. I ended up Falcons. taking them. And by, and by the way, Merry Christmas. Your Falcons still barely alive with two weeks to go in the playoff picture. So they came back and won that game. But you were kind of on the Lions last week. And by the way, the Lions also finish after they play Seattle with the Packers at home in the final regular season game with Green Bay likely having to win that game to clinch the top seed in the NFC in the opening round by my Buccaneers chasing the Rams chasing the Cowboys chasing may become humongous Lions fans in that final game depending I wouldn't on what be happens shot if Detroit hangs around in that game yeah sure and of course Seattle played in that blizzard and the Bears made an amazing fourth quarter comeback in the blizzard and one of the great catches from a former SEC guy Brian Edwards Demir Bird on the two-point conversion with two guys hitting him what an incredible! What a, what a great catch he made in the back of the end zone to toe tap on the two point conversion and help them win the game. And again, Seattle's going nowhere, Detroit's going nowhere, but Brian is going there on a possible NFL underdog when we get to the weekend. Listen, I always love your stuff. I know you've got a run here. Let's see if we get an All SEC, a championship game rematch from from a seventeen Alabama Georgia, or is Those there lines maybe? Are out. Um, Alabama's and, minus six and a half if it's Michigan, and they're plus one and a half if it's Georgia. And I forget what it is if it's Michigan Cincy. If it's Michigan uh, Cincy, it's Michigan favored. If it's Georgia Cincy, it might be two touchdowns again. It might be. be I mean, even yeah. if Cincy wins the wins the game, it might be that big again. We'll see uh, how it plays out here. How uh, how well Cincinnati hangs with Alabama or not? Can Michigan again? This is a, this is an epic opportunity for Harbaugh uh, to get a win against Georgia. We'll see if it happens. Brian, thank you so much. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you at some point in the new year. I appreciate you making time for me. Let's enjoy the games. Let's get the games played. Let's enjoy the games. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, TJ. Happy New Year. And uh, my man. But first, we're brought to you in part by WinBet. If you're ready to win money and boost your odds, WinBet is here for you. And it's now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. They're bringing you the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards, everything right at your fingertips. Get all of the best plays for the college football wrapping up. The NFL, obviously down the home stretch of the regular season and the playoffs coming up. They've got the NBA, the NHL, anything that you want with WinBet. And WinBet now has some brand new bonuses. Bet $5 to win $400 in the free bets contest that they have. That includes getting a VIP trip to Shaquille O'Neal's Fun House in Los Angeles. That's right. You bet $20 on WinBet's Build Your Own Bet feature, and you earn a chance to win a once-in-a-lifetime VIP experience for the big game. You and three guests get to go to Shaq's Fun House Two nights at Win Las Vegas, a $5,000 free bet at Win Las Vegas Sportsbook, and a $5,000 travel credit, all as part of this contest. They have great promos like this going on. 
And all you got to do is go to WinBet and their app, sign up and be able to do it. The odds, the payouts, it's all happening at WinBet. Boosted parlays, live in-game odds, every major sport, everything you need. Plus, if you sign up today, you'll get a risk-free $1,000 sports bet with WinBet. Go to WinBet.com, download the WinBet app, and again, take care of business. It's all happening with WinBet and the VIP trip to Shaq's Funhouse in L.A. for the big game is available. Find out more at WinBet.com and the WinBet app. And we're brought to you in part by Tick Pick with College Football's Championship Weekend behind us. The bowl season, though, is about to be here, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the Internet for tickets to see your favorite teams play in their bowl game. That's because Tick Pick is the original no-fee ticket site. That's Tick Pick, TickPick.com or the Tick Pick mobile app. It's the only one you ever need to go for all of the games, whether you're talking about NCAA football, the NFL, concerts, the NBA, and more. Whether you're talking about the college football playoff semifinal games on New Year's Eve with Alabama now playing Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl or in Miami, they're going to have Georgia and Michigan face off. Tick Pick has got all of the best ticket prices, and they don't have the service fees that all the others have. Plus, if you're looking to go out to the Rose Bowl for Ohio State and Utah on New Year's afternoon, or if you're also looking at that Sugar Bowl on New Year's night between Ole Miss and Baylor with the upset win, Tick Pick guarantees all the best prices for all the college football tickets this bowl season. If you don't believe it and you can find a better price somewhere else, Tick Pick will give you 110% of the difference on your purchase price. Seek it out. Visit Tick Pick today. Go to TickPick.com SGP. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, TickPick.com SGP. Brought to you in part by SoBet. Since when is sports betting supposed to be so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social. When I picture betting, I picture bootleggers with mustaches tossing bets around at a speakeasy. SoBet is taking the social lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it by providing a modern platform. SoBet is changing the game with their new product. Head over to SoBet.io and create an account and find out for yourself. Fully functioning, free web application. You can access a demo of their app that will launch next fall. That app includes consensus lines from Las Vegas, a feed of what other people are betting on, and the ability to send friendly wagers to anyone you know via a text, a QR code, or links, among other methods. No money is transacted on the app, and it's purely competitive. Next time that you're going to be out with your friends watching sports, turn it up a notch. Go to SoBet.io and see who can hit the most ridiculous bets. Users have the ability to place bets off the Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing the metric if they want, as long as somebody's on the other side to accept it. Let's go back to the roots of betting with SoBet. Go to SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io and join the revolution. And we're brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. If you're not using PropSwap, you're just missing out. PropSwap is America's number one app to buy and sell those sports bets, and you can find the best odds in the country because you're buying directly from other bettors. Use our promo code SGP, and your first deposit for PropSwap will be doubled up to $500. Double the cash means double the odds. And if you love sports betting, you need to be using PropSwap. Sellers across the country list their bets 
sets for sale, and thousands of buyers visit PropSwap every day to find the best odds on futures, props, and parlays. The average prop swapper makes $500 a month just buying and selling sports bets through PropSwap. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or just download the app in the Google Play or the Apple Store. PropSwap, it's where America buys and sells sports bets. And we're brought to you by our friends at Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the matchups. You can cash out for gift cards when you hit your bets and even help raise money for charity along the way. It's a brand new company looking to grow their early adopter community. It's a slick app. It's fun to use. And one of the reasons we love it is it also offers prop betting. So if you're in a state that hasn't legalized gambling yet, you can get some prop bets going on Better Fantasy. Totally free to play. Download it now for iPhone or for Android and check them out online, betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. Again, spell better, B-E-T-T-O-R, fantasy.com slash S-G-P-N. And a reminder, the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We are back in uh, for the Three Dog Thursday podcast, but we also are serving dual purpose here with my guy John Lewis uh, from SportsMediaWatch.com, a.k.a. Paulson. He is Paulson underscore SMW for Sports Media Watch on Twitter. I love his insight. So this is a two-for-one. I do this from time to time on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, but it's also the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast at the same time because it's a big enough deal with the passing of of an iconic NFL figure, and in particular an NFL television figure and video game figure in John Madden, who passed away uh, unexpected earlier this week at the age of 85 and just days after a phenomenal documentary encompassing his life, his coaching, his career, uh, all Madden as it's known. Uh, that debuted on Fox on Christmas Day, and just days later, John Madden unexpectedly passed away at age 85. So John Lewis is here with me to give great insight. Who better to go to to get some insight on the sports media, the impact of Madden, et cetera? So, John, welcome. Merry Christmas to you, post-facto post, uh, here. Happy New Year. Thank you for popping on. I wish it was a better circumstance than talking about the death of John Madden, but thank you for popping on anyway. Hey, thanks for having me. Always appreciate it. And again, we're on John's podcast as well, sportsmediawatch.com podcast, which I'm part of. So we're just, we're cohabitating here. The the interview is serving both purposes, uh, no matter how you found us, where you found us. Thank you for doing so, including on sportsmediawatch.com, his website and the sportsmediawatch.com podcast uh, as well. If I say to you, what comes to mind about John Madden and his impact on football, football on TV? What would you say to start out with here? As there's been so much outpouring in, in recent days and in recent hours. John, what would you say? Well, I think the biggest testament to John Madden is that I can't think of just one. 
you know, it comes to mind being in the football booth, but also being in commercials, right? Uh, you know, tough actions and acting, right? Uh, certainly the, uh, the Frank Caliendo impressions as well. Uh, and it's just a major pop cultural figure in a way that sports TV analysts generally are not. Uh, I don't know who asked me this. And I think it was a commenter on my site asked me, you know, other than Howard Cosell, is there anybody else who was as big? I don't really think so. You know, and uh, Howard was big. Howard was big enough that I think you could actually argue that Howard was even bigger than John Madden. But nobody else that I can think of has ever achieved the level of national relevance beyond just sports while working in TV, except maybe Charles Barkley. Charles might belong in that conversation. But uh, Madden was a major celebrity, a major star, and uh, you know, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated back when that was meaningful, right? Uh, nobody knows who's on the cover of Sports Illustrated today, but back then, everybody knew who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated every week. Uh, he was a major celebrity and a major uh, you know, public figure and also a really good TV analyst as well. Like you think about Charles, you know, people enjoy Charles in spite of his analysis, ultimately, right? Uh, you know, so Madden was all of those things. And he was also good at calling football games. Yeah, there is no doubt. And then there's the whole legacy of the Madden video game, which I understand your point about Cosell was almost larger than the games that he was calling or the events that he was working, but it didn't sustain for two or three decades after his broadcasting and now after his, his passing, John Madden's video game. Tens of millions of people hinge on playing that game and have for the better part of 25 plus years have hinged on really going back almost 30 years have hinged on playing that video game and how it has grown and, and escalated now into a virtual reality video game, uh, etc. It's amazing what that became because of the personality uh, of John Madden. Uh, I think it is interesting to go back in the historical perspective, and this is what's great about your uh, genre, your website, and what we're talking about, John Madden and Pat Summerall became iconic with the NFL on CBS, in particular the NFC games. I, can't, I don't think we can overemphasize it enough, can we, John Lewis, that they were synonymous with seeing the 1980s San Francisco 49ers Super Bowls, the, the 1980s Washington Redskins Super Bowl, the 85 Bears. They were intertwined. You were seeing those games every week, and you were hearing the soundtrack was Pat Summerall and John Madden. Pick it up from there, if you would. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, Summerall and Madden were just uh, tremendously iconic, one of the great pairings in sports TV history. Very few people can say that their time working with Al Michaels was the secondary part of their career. But, Al can <laughs> but uh, John can certainly say that. And that was such an interesting pairing as well. You know, Al had been established for years, but never really had the great partner, right? And right before John Madden, it was Dennis Miller and Dan Fox, right? <laughs> uh, you know, the Dennis Miller era only becomes more and more ridiculous with time. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I was working with John Madden. It's kind of like, you know, a player in the NBA who hasn't really had the great teammates. And then all of a sudden, they get an all-star next to them, right? Uh, and uh, Madden, uh, unlike Russell Westbrook, you know, really came through 
the way that uh, Monday Night Football needed, right? And, uh, you know, that was a needless dig at Russ. I apologize. Russ isn't that bad. <laughs> Russ isn't hey, a real problem. As I like to say, and, and you appreciate my references, he's been passed around like the offering plate at church to different NBA teams right now. That's I don't true. think it's an unnecessary yeah. dig. It's kind of an appropriate dig uh, at this yeah. point. But I understand the point that you're making because, remember, Pat Summerall was at the end of his broadcasting career. He was – uh, in the early 2000s, clearly not the same broadcaster anymore. Um, and John Madden wanted to continue to do games. And so if he couldn't be with, with Pat, he was no longer going to do Fox. He ended up getting the Monday night football booth with Al Michaels. And then, as you and I have talked about on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast, when Al Michaels was traded by ESPN ABC, by Disney, to NBC, part of that package deal was to go do the games with John Madden for the final three or four years that he would be on network TV. John, just pick up that with the transition there in the 2000s and the final games that he would be broadcasting were actually on NBC. Yeah, well, it's very interesting because, you know, John went to NBC and Al went to ESPN. Everyone forgets that Al Michaels signed an eight-year contract and did Monday Night Football for ESPN with Joe Feisman. And uh, so it was going to be that, that John Madden was going to have a new partner. For a little while there, NBC was trying to make Chris Collinsworth into a play-by-play guy. Their initial idea, or at least one of them, was that Collinsworth would do play-by-play and Madden would do the analysis. Uh, I think they thought about Tom Hammond for a bit there. They thought about right. uh, Bob Costas, uh, but ultimately it wasn't going to work if it wasn't Al Michaels, right? They did have a great rapport. They did work very well together. It wasn't the same partnership as with Summerall, and it wasn't the memorable partnership that the one with Summerall was. But, you know, they worked well off of each other and it felt like a big game. You know, any game Al Michaels does, and, you know, as long as it's an NFL game, you know, because I remember him on the NBA. But any game Al Michaels does on the NFL is automatically a big game by virtue of his presence. And with John Madden there, it was only magnified. I mean, I think that Al and Collinsworth actually have better chemistry, believe it or not. They've worked together for longer, and I do think they have better chemistry. But Al Michaels and Don Madden, that's one of those giant pairings. And uh, it was a relatively short amount of time that they worked together, about six, seven years. Uh, but, I mean, that, that's one of those, you know, all-time broadcast TV pairings that uh, will be hard to match. Voice of John Lewis. He is hanging uh, with us here, not just the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. We're double dipping our chip, as I like to say, because we're also playing this interview as part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast that I host. Because again, I wanted to go to somebody that has great insight on the sports media and the world and the ratings, et cetera, with the passing of John Madden. People in the present day, all right, the millennials that we talk so much about, John teaches as well with college students. They have no appreciation that before he was even a broadcaster, John Madden was a heck of a football coach with the Oakland Raiders. He was hired uh, as, as one of the youngest coaches ever in the NFL at only 32 years of age when Al Davis hired him as the Raiders coach. To this day, with all the great coaches in the history of the NFL, from Hallis to Lombardi to Landry to Shula to now Belichick, Bill Walsh, uh, name, name anyone, John Madden has the highest winning percentage of any coach that's coached at least 100 games in the NFL. John Madden won 76% of his games, three out of every four. That's incredible as a football coach. 
And then his attitude was, I, I'm done with coaching. I'm done with the Raiders. I want to do something else. And that turned out to be broadcasting. And he never came back. There was a lot of speculation in the 80s that he might come back and coach another team because he was still relatively John Lewis young. He was still in his late 40s uh, in, the, in the 80s and never did. Never did come back to coach anybody else, only coach the Raiders. Um, and so that's interesting, too in that aspect. But again, uh, we should emphasize this. You've talked about it a lot on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Present day NFL still does very well. I saw that the Browns uh, Packers game uh, had close to 29 million people, something like that, watching. Again, pro football on TV far surpasses anything, especially on network TV, far surpasses anything that's on. But when you contemplate that Madden and Summerall were regularly doing games on CBS when there were so many fewer choices to watch and having 50 million people, 40 or 50 million people regularly watch them do the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins or the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles NFC games on CBS. It's a most of American sports fans. This was their soundtrack Madden and Summerall on CBS, John, you can't emphasize it enough. Yeah, well, I mean, it just goes to show the difference in television because Tony Romo was big, but Tony Romo can do this another 30, 40 years and he will never sniff the fame that John Madden had because ultimately, yeah, 28 million people were watching, but think about how large the viewing audience is, how big that population is. If you're talking, I mean, it was a 10.8 rating, right? Now, a 10.8 rating is a nice big rating. But, you know, we're not talking about the days of 30s and 40s and 50s, right? We're talking about a nice solid rating on Christmas with a nice solid proportion of the audience watching. And uh, ultimately, that's kind of where NFL viewership is. It's massive, but it's not a massive proportion of the country, right? That's really what it comes down to. The only time the NFL attracts a massive proportion of the country is during the playoffs and really just championship games and Super Bowl. Everything else is just a really big number, a really big number in terms of the raw number that is not necessarily that big a slice of the overall pie. And because Madden was working in an era where there were so fewer you know, television homes and so fewer channels, everyone who was watching TV, or nearly everyone, was familiar with him. Romo is not going to get that. There's huge swaths of the country that don't watch the NFL at all. Anyone ever notice that ESPN subscribers have dropped by 40 million and the ratings are pretty much the same? There were 40 million people who were paying for ESPN and never watching it, right? And they're gone now. They didn't even pay for it anymore. So there's a lot of people who aren't watching sports, aren't aware of any of this stuff. And I think there's plenty of places in this country that Tony Romo could go and no one would know who he was. Right. <laughs> it's and, as hard as that is for us to fathom if we're football fans or if we watch football on TV, it, it is true. And it's not just a knock at him. It's probably Chris Collinsworth, yep. the same way as you were mentioning, uh, you know, again, uh, pick, pick one um, of the, of the analysts that have done it. Even Troy Aikman here, if you're a football fan, you know who these different guys are, uh, but it's not, it's not quite the same crossover as what John Madden yeah was or became hey a couple of other fun ones we see so much being done now with the telestrator on replays on on football games on tv in particular but every sport now has the telestrator from college basketball to the nhl to the nba they'll diagram something they'll show it to you that originated with cbs 
And uh, and and John Madden in particular, they called it John Lewis, the old CBS chalkboard. If you go back on YouTube and watch some of these games, they put the graphic up, the CBS chalkboard. And suddenly John Madden is virt- is uh, virtually on the screen, drawing on the screen and showing you how the play is going. You can't see him, but he's showing you with a diagram, et cetera, like the CBS chalkboard. That's the precursor to the Telestrator that everybody uses now. You don't watch a football game now. Uh, of any consequence, college or pro, where they're not using the Telestrator, it began with Madden doing the diagram. And of course, he had to have the boom. And the boom, you go right here, and then you boom, you hit him over there, and he would be drawing and drawing and drawing. That originated in the early 80s as a John Madden innovation. How about that? While we educate the audience a little. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, CBS is kind of the forgotten part of the Madden era, isn't it? Even though it was really where he formed his, uh, his career, and uh, ultimately, that was a great time to work for CBS. There were a lot of strong thinkers back then doing a lot of really interesting work. CBS didn't really do the best job at the NBA, but, you know, kind of kept it afloat during some bad times. They started out with the NCAA tournament, you know, and uh, certainly uh, pretty much everything they did back then did well, except for the four years that they had baseball. That was a bit more forgettable. But, right. uh, you know, as far as... Uh, the Telestrator goes is just another way of demonstrating the game in a way that is understandable to people. We live in a world that just prizes jargon far too much, uh, certainly in academia, right? Like there are professors in academia who try to go against the jargon and they're like outcasts because they're not writing in a way that is impossible for a normal person to comprehend, right? We see it certainly in medicine the last few years, you know, a lot of jargon that uh, kind of communicating in a way that is almost designed for the layman to be confused and not understand what's going on. And uh, ultimately, we strangely see it in sports. We do see jargon in sports. Like, you know, this is not nuclear physics, right? And so for John Madden to be able to communicate all of the pretentious strategies of football in a way that more people can actually understand I mean, that's been a, a major, major uh, element. Uh, and you know, that's why people love them, right? Nobody wants to be talked down to or confused or, you know, uh, you know, getting the sense that they're just listening to someone who enjoys the sound of their own voice. Boy, the voice that we enjoy the sound of is the voice of John Lewis. He's at Paulson underscore SMW on Twitter. It is Sports Media Watch and SportsMediaWatch.com. This is, again, a dual-purpose interview that I'm doing with John. You're hearing it as part of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast, but I'm also using it for the Three Dog Thursday podcast because we're talking pro football just immediately after the passing. Somewhat unexpectedly, at 85 years of age, again, John Madden had not really had a public life the last few years, but he had not been, by all accounts, uh, sick or dying, and then suddenly the news just days after Christmas and just after that documentary aired that he had passed away. Iconic Hall of Fame um, member-winning coach with the uh, Oakland Raiders. He'd have been in the Hall of Fame for the broadcasting part of it just alone as a football analyst. One more point on this. Again, if you are younger, you don't appreciate what went on about 27 years ago now, 27, 28 years ago now, when the Fox television network was trying to gain a footing as the fourth over-the-air network. You already had ABC, CBS, NBC as the long-standing television networks with all the primetime programming, all the sports, 
the game shows during the day, the soap operas during the day. Fox John was trying to grab a hold. They had shows like The Simpsons, the offbeat cartoon comedy. They had Beverly Hills 90210 that my sister and now my wife and a lot of the other uh, ladies that were in their, their late teens, their early 20s, they loved that show. Uh, they loved Melrose Place. It was kind of an offshoot, the same thing. These were the shows that Fox had. They also had some cutting-edge comedy within Living Color. They had uh, Married with Children, um, on and on. But they really, really became established when they grabbed the NFL and that NFC package and all those huge television markets and grabbed Pat Summerall and John Madden as contract-free agents to come with them to call the games. And when people initially thought Fox was crazy, John, to overpay hundreds of millions of dollars for the rights fee, what Rupert Murdoch understood is we're going to be able to promote everything off of the NFL. This will establish us. Those two iconic announcers and these big markets, New York, Washington, Chicago Bears, Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, those are all markets we want to be in in terms of TV, and we now have that because of the NFL, Pat Summerall, and John Madden. We cannot overstate, can we, how vital that was to establishing Fox really into an empire TV-wise because of the NFL and grabbing Summerall and Madden to, to broadcast the NFL, right? Well, yeah, but look, ultimately, there's no Fox without the NFL, and there's no NFL on Fox without John Madden, right? Everything that Fox is stems from getting NFL rights in 1994, for better or worse. And it wasn't just that they got NFL rights. It said they got NFL rights and were immediately recognized as an NFL authority. Because Fox had gotten the NFL, stumbled over its feet and fallen into the dirt like the baseball network did at around the exact same time, right? <laughs> you know, And then they could have lost the rights immediately and we would never have heard anything about them again. So it wasn't just that Fox got the NFL. Fox had to get the NFL and do the NFL well. And not just do the NFL well, but do the NFL as well as CBS did for all of those years previous, right? And they had to make sure that they did justice to the, an NFL audience that expected a certain kind of broadcast. So Summerall and Madden, they didn't get done. You know, who knows how that goes, right? Uh, and uh, so, you know, you could probably say Madden is one of the key people in building Fox. You know, maybe uh, somewhere somewhere below the Murdochs and Bart Simpson when you put uh, John Madden in there. Uh, that is fair. And again, uh, they, they established themselves. I mean, one of the things I know in the market where I am here in the Tampa St. Pete market, uh, they did this in several other markets where at simultaneous to grabbing the NFL, they bought a ton of local television stations in huge markets, including what had been the longstanding CBS affiliate in Tampa Bay. They did this in several other markets. They bought the station and flipped it to Fox for the Fox programming for the ingrained uh, historical audience that had been with those stations uh, that would now be watching their programming. So I still remember all of that uh, vividly taking place. The NFL was behind it. Summerall and Madden were behind it. Um, again, we can't overstate this enough. I, I still, I, um, I saw this again um, at Christmas time where everybody was going crazy about the Madden game and the PlayStations. Again, so many present day football fans don't know John Madden, even as the broadcaster that much less yeah. the coach. They only know the video game, the Madden video game, and the commentary that he would always do on it for so many years. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to bet that there's some kids out there that don't realize that Madden is a real guy. You know, like there's a lot of people, myself included, who didn't realize that Colonel Sanders is a real guy. I just thought he was a fictional, you know, a fictional <laughs> mascot, right? And you find out, oh, wait, not only was he a real guy, he actually dressed like that and was on TV, right? You don't know that. So... Or I think there's a lot of kids out there who genuinely, they don't know that Madden, sure. Madden in their video game is a real person. Uh, and uh, it's uh, interesting that Madden will live on forever because of, well, forever. I mean, for as long as EA Sports can continue to compensate right. and make the game and have exclusivity, right? Because NBA Live isn't coming back anytime soon from EA. So there might be eventually a day when there's no Madden NFL. But, you know, for many years to come, Madden will still be a name that is synonymous with football. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, to, to, I mean, to an extent, that's immortality, right? That's lasting for generations. Because very few people in any business are immortal, right? There's a lot of actors, for example, from the 50s and 60s. There's only a few who everyone still knows today, right? That's right. You know? I wouldn't even say, uh, like, maybe, like, you got to be a TCM person to know Glenn Ford, for example. Sure. Glenn Ford was really big. He was a really big actor, a great actor. But you got to be the type of person who regularly tunes into TCM to know who that is. Because most people, you couldn't, in a million years, get them to know who Glenn Ford is. I, I don't think that Madden will have that problem. Partly because of the game, or maybe even largely because of the game. I mean, he, he will be someone who lives on even for all, all those generations who don't remember him uh, watching him uh, do games. All of that is well said. And again, we've had, uh, we've had a blast talking with John Lewis here about the legacy of John Madden. Again, the all Madden documentary, they've already re-aired it a couple of times as we release this podcast. And depending on, as you're hearing John's sportsmediawatch.com podcast simultaneous, the interview is serving both purposes here. It will be back on again. Check the listings for the NFL Network. And you were saying to me, the streaming services are probably also going to have the documentary out here in the short term as we head to New Year's weekend at the time that we're doing this interview. They're going to be showing it some more, and it's well worth it to watch his rise as the Raiders coach and then become the broadcaster. And then John, after that, uh, to now have all the success with the video game, almost three different stages of John, of yeah. John Madden's popularity and his success. They can see it all in the documentary and it's going to be available, right? Yeah. It'll be on Peacock. I believe it'll be on ESPN plus, even though it aired on Fox originally, it'll be available in a lot of different places. And a Fox will certainly re-air it. Um, too bad they didn't get a chance to re-air it last night in place of the Holiday Bowl. Right. Uh, but um, I'm sure there'll be plenty more events that are canceled, and so plenty more, plenty <laughs> more open TV slots to put that in. Uh, maybe even Friday night. I know Fox canceled their New Year's Eve show. That'd be a good, maybe a good place to put that. And again, the Raiders will be honoring him. The pro football world will be honoring him this weekend and moving forward, a Hall of Famer. That is for sure. What a personality. And they, they again, uh, the NFL owes, owes a big debt of gratitude to what not only Summerall and Madden, I mean, Dick Enberg and Merlin Olsen in the 80s, um, on NBC, the Monday night games you mentioned that had Frank Gifford, Howard Cosell, that eventually transitioned to Al Michaels and Frank Gifford and Dan Deardorff. When the NFL was building its TV empire in the 80s and into the 90s, these were the guys that were part of it at the, at the very, very top of the food chain to help build that and, and build what we have now. John, I've enjoyed this uh, thoroughly. Thank you for providing some insight with me on this. 
I appreciate it. Happy New Year to you. And uh, and again, I wish it was a better subject, but we spent some really good time going over all the positives. And there are a lot of them about John Madden. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Thank you. And so to talk more about a little pro football this weekend, I love this guy's insight. He's right here in the Tampa Bay area from the sports web. Mr. Peter Blake is on board on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Peter also, speaking of the spreads, speaking of the underdogs, et cetera, is with Harry the Greek. I love that name. Harry the Greek and Peter do the under over. Get, help me if I get the name wrong. The under over show the over on under. 12. The 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 uh the over under or the under over? Over under on 1252 Chicago Sports on Friday night. So not All right, only so they're, they're doing, yeah. They're going for the point spreads on that in addition to the sports web. So you and Harry the Greek are straightening it out. We'll get to that in a couple of moments. P- Peter Blake, how are you uh, as we great. head into the new year? How are things? Uh, things could not be any better than what they are right now. Everything has gone right. Of course, we talked about the uh, Rolex situation from Jake <laughs> Paul, but there's so <laughs> much football to talk about oh. this week. I mean, from college football, Amen. NFL, you got to love it, and especially being in Champa Bay at this point. Yeah, and we got the Bucks to get to with the Jets. We got the Outback Bowl coming in this area, too, with Arkansas and Penn State. Um, I want to get to the NFL with you, but give me a quick uh, 30 to 60 seconds here because as we released this podcast, we were talking earlier uh, with our senior handicapper, Brian Edwards, about the two semifinal games. It's a quirky thing. They're on Friday. They're on New Year's Eve afternoon and New Year's Eve. Alabama, Cincinnati, Michigan, and Georgia. I'll point blank, put it to you, Peter Blake. Mm-hmm. If one of those is going to pull the upset, which one is more likely out of Cincinnati and Michigan? Michigan's going to pull the upset. And in fact, I'm going to put it out there right now. Michigan is going to win the national championship. Oh, oh hello. There. Hello, not only beat Georgia, but go ahead and win the whole thing. Yes, Georgia, uh, I'm telling you right now, Georgia offensively is not that good. They showed up versus Alabama defensively. uh, I I don't think they can stop Michigan's running game. And furthermore, I'm not sure if they can protect that quarterback. If it's Bennett, whoever it is at the end of the day, I think Michigan's defense gets after it. And then on top of it, Jim Harbaugh finally gets over that hump of not beating Ohio State. They do that. They get to this point. I think Michigan is going to win it all with that running game, with that defense. There's just something about this team this year. You can't put your finger on it. They may not be the most talented, but I feel like Michigan is going to rule the day here. Peter Blake calling a shot here on Three Dog Thursday. Um, Mm -hmm. As Brian Edwards was saying, the Alabama, if it is Alabama, and I'm assuming that's what you think it's going to be, if it's Alabama-Michigan, the preview line is already out, and it's like a touchdown. For Alabama over Michigan, if that's the case, let's let's see what would happen in that championship game as uh, as this part plays out for the two semifinals. Alabama has been so good in this semifinal game over and over and over again. Good luck to Cincinnati to try to keep it close. They've had a great season and hang in there in the first game. That's the Cotton Bowl in Dallas Friday, and then the Orange Bowl Friday night will have quite the showdown. Big Ten SEC with Michigan and Georgia to the NFL. We care most about Buccaneers in this area. The defending Super Bowl champions headed to the Jets. Jets, a 13 point underdog, Peter Blake. Mm. But before anybody gets frisky about the Jets, who did win last week at home with the Jaguars, then again, it is the Jaguars. Buccaneers last week beat the Panthers, beat the pants off the Panthers, clinched the NFC South. 
That was the sixth time in seven in seven tries as a double-digit favorite that the Buccaneers have covered. The one that they did not was the Saints on Sunday night a couple of weeks ago with the obvious 9-0 horrific, crazy, stunning shutout. So if anybody's thinking about the Jets plus 13, the Bucs have covered this number over and over again, Peter Blake. Give me some more on what you think about this coming Sunday. I mean, look, the Bucs are coming in this game with a lot of injuries. Of course, you know, my, no Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin. They did have Antonio Brown back last week, over 100 yards receiving, no Shaq Barrett. But I feel like they have enough depth and enough talent to actually cover that spread. And I, I like the Bucs in this game. I think the Jets right now, look, they're going to try to play spoiler, but they're not talented enough. And on top of it, you know Todd Bowles, being a former coach in the New York Jets, is going to have a little surprise for the rookie Zach Wilson. I like the way this Bucks defense played last week. Seven sacks, Jordan Whitehead all over the field, and of course Tom Brady's record, lifetime versus the Jets, just in the season, 27 and 9 and after this game fans are going to want to end the season bucks are going to go over big how about that so 27 and 9 all time with the patriots first time he's been the bucks quarterback uh, in this scenario and weather could be a factor uh, we've been talking about this this week we don't know for sure but it looks like temperature will be dropping from the mid 50s getting colder into the 40s as the game goes on and then eventually it's like an overnight low of 29 Sunday night does that mm. cold air move in earlier 70 percent chance of rain at some point or during this game uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun for the Bucks sideline guy on the sideline at MetLife <laughs> Stadium if that's the case <laughs> How, I, well, just real quick to you, Peter Blake, how big of an equalizer is that if it's bad weather to maybe slow down the Brady pass game? You buy that for 30 seconds? I mean, a little bit, but I think the Bucks showed last week they can be a chameleon, if you will. They ran the ball 31 times with the victim of volume and a Ronald Jones, a Keyshawn Vaughn, really set the tone with the 55-yard uh, touchdown run earlier on in the game. This team can be balanced if they want to. I think that's where they're going to have to be versus the Jets. Jets are terrible defensively. And when we're talking about going back to the 66 New York Giants, that is absolutely pathetic. That's why I like the Bucs big in this game. I think they can be a chameleon. They can run the ball. And Tom Brady, I don't care if it's rain or not. And unless there's uh, lightning causing a delay in this game, Tom Brady is going to throw it all over the place with Antonio Brown back with uh, Grayson, and Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, yep. the last couple of games has, has had some really rough games. Look for him to stand out on Sunday versus this Jets. Very, very terrible defense. Especially right, fair enough. Again, the voice of Peter Blake. His show is the Sports Web. Find the Sports Web on YouTube, on Facebook, etc. Find Peter on social media, including Twitter and Instagram. P Blake 1003 1003. Yep. Uh, there for the number at the end of P Blake to find him there as well. And uh, I'm looking at the Baltimore Ravens and some will, some will say I'm being somewhat biased here because the Bucks need help from the Ravens to beat the LA Rams, to open the door for playoff seating in the NFC. I would tell you this, even if it did not benefit the Bucks in any way for the playoffs, I still like the Ravens desperate to win at home in this spot, potentially getting Lamar Jackson back, getting points at home, the Ravens now uh, have to win this game. The Rams on the road for a second straight week. It's always the case, and this will be the Bucks' case with the Jets. It's always a struggle, the second straight game on the road after the Rams beat the Vikings last week. Am I crazy? Just real quick to take the oh. Ravens. You want to talk me out of it? 
No, no I, I definitely don't think you're crazy. In fact, if Lamar Jackson is back, that offense is different. It's run Lamar to the left, run, <laughs> run Lamar to the right, throw to Mark Andrews and everybody else. But you're exactly right. That defense is very questionable for the Rams. And I'm still not a believer in Matt Stafford. He had a great start to the beginning of the year, but he's really cooled down. He's become Detroit line Matt Stafford. I still don't believe in this Rams team. There's something you cannot put your finger on it, but they are not as good as a lot of people think they are. And I think it starts with that injury to Robert Woods. This offense has been changed. I get it. Odell Beckham is catching touchdowns, but they're not balanced enough. And you have to be somewhat balanced versus that Ravens defense. I like the Ravens pick and I like them to upset just like I liked last week, the Vikings to upset the Rams. So, well, but they, they went to Minnesota and won and their their Cooper cups had a phenomenal year and the Rams beat the bucks earlier in the year. And that would be the tiebreaker. If it comes down to those two for playoff seating, Sure. Just don't know. I smell the other. The only thing that concerns me is Joe Burrow just annihilated the Ravens defensively throwing for 500 yards. So will golf, uh, not golf, excuse me, Stafford do some of that for the Rams? We'll see. I know we got to go in a moment or two, but you and Harry the Greek mix it up with the point spreads on the over-under show, 1252 Chicago Sports. Yeah. Uh, and Harry the Greek is passing along that he likes Cincinnati. He likes Burrow and the Bengals in a home doggy spot with the Chiefs, who've been looking so good. Harry likes that one for Three Dog Thursday purposes, yes? Hey. Yeah, he does. He likes that one. And I can't you know, blame him at this point. Look, the Chiefs are very hot right now, but you got a quarterback that has lots of confidence through for over 500 yards of passing. They feel like they can win this division. They could take that next step in doing that. Yep. Although Kansas City, you know, defensively, they're playing a lot better. Even without Travis Kelsey, they were able to blow the doors off of their opponent last week. I like Cincinnati, though. I'm kind of with them on this. I, I fi- Cincinnati's got to figure this out. And if they can get over on a Kansas City, that gives them confidence going into the postseason. If they could beat Kansas City, you go into that postseason, you have confidence. You never know what can happen, especially with the hot quarterback right now like Burrow. And if they win, it's a 10th win. It all but guarantees them the North and guarantees them a home playoff game on the wild card weekend. Yeah. It'll be a tall task. As you mentioned, the Chiefs have won eight games in a row. Mahomes has looked better. Uh, let's see what happens there. We do know this. This man hustles, works hard, love the insight of Peter Blake. Plug away all your social media, the shows, including what you're doing with Harry. Fire away, sir. Absolutely. Peter H. Blake on Facebook. Go and friend me there. We'll talk. We'll talk sports like we always do. Definitely find me on the sports web Monday and Wednesdays on I Love St. Pete on Facebook. And of course, like and subscribe on YouTube, the sports web. And check us out the over under 1252 Chicago Sports Friday nights at nine o'clock. There we talk uh, over and unders, gambling, this and that proposition, and about the Chicago Bears, which is crazy for me. But, you know, he's tried to make me somewhat of a Chicago Bears fan, <laughs> you know, kind of expand my horizons. Hey. But after the after what the Bears did in the snow in Seattle last week, Harry had to be bouncing off the walls with that comeback and the great two point conversion catch by Demir Bird uh, for the Bears in that game. And now the Bears come back home to play the Giants. They might actually have a chance to win two in a row. So make sure that Harry behaves or Harry's got to make sure you behave on that over under show. 1252 sports in Chicago and the sports web with one B find it on YouTube, find it on uh, Facebook again, follow Peter on social media, P Blake, one zero zero three, 10 zero three on both Twitter and Instagram. 
Mm-hmm. I thank you for the time. You're, you're gracious to give me some time here. Let's see what happens with these underdogs. Let's see what happens with the Buccaneers and the Jets. I know you'll be previewing that a bunch leading into the game on uh, on Sunday. I'll be there, hopefully not in too much rain in New York, God willing. Let's see what happens and circle back. Peter Blake, thank you for the time on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, brother. Absolutely. We say three things to end off the sports web. Bring your passion. Bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake, giving you something to think about. And there goes Peter Blake. Loving that insight. Love the uh, the emotion. Love the passion that Peter always brings on board on the program. All right, so I owe you three official underdogs. You heard me hitting at one of them with the Baltimore Ravens. I am taking that uh, for the matchup with the L.A. Rams in football. I'll go backwards, though, to Saturday and the New Year's Day bowl games. Uh, Something says to me that the Baylor Bears and the Sugar Bowl late night, Saturday night, are going to have something uh, for Ole Miss. Dave Aranda uh, sticks around as the outstanding coach. Uh, of Baylor. They've had a tremendous season. They won the Big 12 title game over Oklahoma State. I know Ole Miss, uh, when last we saw them, won the Egg Bowl in decisive fashion over Mississippi State, but Ole Miss took a couple of losses late in the year uh, as well. One of them badly to Alabama for Lane Kiffin's team. I know they've got Matt Corral at quarterback, but Aranda's defense has been good for Baylor. They can run the ball some. I'm getting uh, a couple of points, a point and a half or a couple of points with Baylor. Neutral field in New Orleans. Give me the Baylor Bears on a Saturday night underdog in college football. And to couple with the Ravens pick on Sunday in that early game with the Rams, again, playoff seeding up for grabs in the NFC. The Ravens basically have to win to keep their wild card playoff hopes alive and maybe the division alive, depending on what happens with Cincinnati and, and Kansas City here in, uh, in week 17 of the season. I'll take the Ravens as one underdog and then a desperate Pittsburgh team playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Pittsburgh awful last week against Kansas City, but they're back home. Their playoff lives are on the line. I will take Cincinnati. I will take Pittsburgh against Cleveland. Excuse me. I will take Pittsburgh against Cleveland in the Monday night game, getting points at home. Home doggy again in the AFC North twice for the host here. Baltimore against the Rams, and then the Steelers against the Browns. Uh, I don't think that Baker Mayfield can stop turning the football over, and I know the Browns had such success at the end of last season against Pittsburgh, including beating them in the playoffs. I think Big Ben will keep it alive. It could be Big Ben's final home game, by the way, uh, against the uh, Cleveland Browns here, because even if they go uh, into the playoffs, they're likely a wildcard team on the road for the duration. This could be it for Big Ben. Is he retiring, etc.? I think they'll go out a Monday night winner. Let's find out what happens in that one. That'll be my third underdog play to go along with the Baylor Saturday night uh, game in the uh, Sugar Bowl with Ole Miss and also the Ravens against the Rams on Sunday. Again, I'll be in New York with the Buccaneers getting ready for the game with the New York Jets in the cold, in the wet weather. Uh, Will that be an equalizer for the Jets getting a lot of points? We'll find out. My thanks to Brian Edwards, senior handicapper, Vegas insider, majorwager.com, helping me out with the college football playoff. We will know the participants in the championship game this time next week. Will it be Alabama and Georgia? Will Michigan mess it up? Can Cincinnati pull the shocker? I don't think so with Nick Saban having a month to prepare. Let's see what happens uh, for those semifinal matchups. Let's see what happens in this 16th game for everybody in the NFL. And then there's one more game to go. Now a 17-game schedule this year for all the playoff seating, who is in and who is out in the NFL and where are they going to be seated. We're going to find out starting this weekend. Thanks also to John Lewis, SportsMediaWatch.com and the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. 
Again, find that wherever you get podcasts as well. As we talked a bunch about John Madden and his historical impact, his legacy, and Peter Blake of the Sports Web, the Sports Web with one B on uh, YouTube, on uh, Facebook. Again, Peter does a great job in the Tampa Bay area helping me break down everything happening uh, here with the um, uh, with the NFL and with that Bucks game with the Jets. And again, he and Harry the Greek, his guy, they love Cincinnati in that spot with the Chiefs. Let's see if that continues. For now, we are good. My thanks, as always, to the Sports Gambling Podcast guys, Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, for helping me promote this show through the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and SportsGamblingPodcast.com. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Be safe. Happy New Year as we head into the new year, 2022. Uh, Everybody be safe this weekend as we get through New Year's. Enjoy all of the football. We're back in 2022. I will talk to you again next year as we will know the participants of the college football playoff championship game. We're ready for the final NFL regular season weekend next week on Three Dog Thursday. Wolf, wolf. Bye.